Howdy and welcome to the 10-week Bible study. This is week two, day two of our study of Joshua. I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and today we're talking about Joshua 4, 14 through 24. Welcome back to the 10-week Bible study. Again, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we start today? Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God? Speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you. Lord, we want to fill our minds and our hearts so that we meditate on your word day and night. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. I'll be reading today from the NIV. This is Joshua 4, starting in verse 14. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they had stood in awe of Moses. The Lord said that, hey, Joshua, I'm going to like put a spotlight on you like I had for Moses so that everyone knows that you're the guy that I chose. And we're told right here that that's exactly what happened. That, that you know, it's like, okay, hey, Joshua told us this was going to happen and it happened. That's a big deal. Verse 15. Then the Lord said to Joshua, command the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant law to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the river carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. Now, this is where, uh, you know, I... I wonder about the way that it's saying, you know, on dry ground, right? So it's like the water of the Jordan receded. And and this is where it's it, it gets a little difficult because I've heard people before, you know, it's like when they, they walked across dry ground on the Red Sea and when they walked across the dry ground on the Jordan, a lot of people think, well, that's literally dry ground, um, that there was no moisture in, in even, you know, the ground at all. What muddy is just, it's perfectly dry. And maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. The The issue here is the difference between when something in Scripture is absolutely literal and when it is, um, you know, kind of using a figure of speech, right? So the dry ground here, it says, you know, no sooner had they set their feet on dry ground, but it, it told us that the Jordan River was dry ground. So what does it mean? What's the distinction here? And so this is what I think it's saying. I think that the water recedes, and as you would expect, the ground, anywhere there's soil and the rocks, they're still wet. They're still actually wet. Like the water recedes, and they start moving into this immediately. So I don't think the the, the ground is dry. I think in the Red Sea, I think when the water's part, it says the ground, it was dry ground. I think what it's saying is it's it's not like covered in water, right? They actually like the Red Sea parts and there's earth to walk across. I don't necessarily think that it means it's absolutely bone dry. There's no moisture. And the same thing here. I think there's a very clear distinction between them walking on kind of wet, soggy ground where the water was just a few hours earlier to walking up onto the dry ground that was out of the flood stage before, right? And so... In the end, does it matter? I don't think so. I don't really think so. I, I I, mean, some people get bent out of shape about these kinds of things. And fine, you want to get bent out of shape about that, that's more power to you. When I look at this, I, I'm filled with kind of wonder. I'm filled with questions. How did this actually look? Like, these are things that because the Bible is not 
clear enough. Let me say it like that. It's not clear enough. And it's not that that's a, like, that doesn't make the Bible fallible in some way. It's just not a detail that we're given here in this story, right? There's, there's, there's not a little parenthetical aside that says, you know, they stepped from, we just said that it was dry ground in the middle, but now they stepped out of this. And now they're, when they got to dry ground and the waters came back, you know, there's no aside that says what we mean by dry ground is this specifically or technically. It's not concerned with that. And so that's not something that I like to concern myself with in a dogmatic way, but it is something that I'm fascinated by. I like to think about it, like, what did you mean? What did it feel like? That's what I'm interested in. What was it like? Are people slipping on rocks that maybe have a little algae because water's been rushing over them for centuries? Or, you know, did someone like veer from the main path where everyone else was and they sink to their knees in, in mud because they found a soft spot? You know, like what, what was it like to be crossing over this? Or was it really just this miraculous, perfectly dry ground? I have no way of knowing. But oh my goodness, I, I love to ponder these things because I love to imagine in my mind what it would have been like to be there. So often I think these stories can become just that. They can become stories. It's something that the, you know, the academics, the people that don't believe in God, they don't believe in the Bible, they love to relegate the Bible to. They love to, to place it on the same plane as every other religious sounding thing. And so the, the technical academic definition of any of these stories in scripture is quote unquote a myth because they put it on the same plane as Greek mythology, Norse mythology, anything else, but they call it a myth. It's a story. They think it's a made up story and we can read through these things and they can feel like made up stories, but it really happened. And I like to imagine what would it have been like? It was really there if it was really happening if I was one of those people and you know what if I'm the little eight-year-old kid that's walking across like looking at where the Jordan River just was just a couple hours ago and my mothers were walking across she says Darren do not walk over there it's muddy or you're gonna sink in and I you know I, I just can't help myself and I take one step too far and I sink down right what was that like I love thinking about those kinds of things. Verse 19. On the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. There's that word again. There is that word again. Let's look here real quick at uh, just where Gilgal is. So I'm going to go over to the maps. And again, if you're not watching this on YouTube, the maps are available at 10weekbible.com slash um, Joshua. All right. So we have crossed from Shittim to Jericho. Um, let's see. I don't have Gilgal on there. I'm going to go to the next slide. I don't have Gilgal in either one of these places. Where did it go? I have a slide with Gilgal. Well, I'm going to draw it on here. Um, Gilgal is essentially right here. 
I don't know what happened to my slide with that, but I have one. And for those of you that are just listening, I'll have the correct uh, slide for this. But Gilgal is just outside of Jericho. It's still in the plains. Jericho's in the plains. Before you get up into the mountains, you can kind of see the ridge of mountains right here going up into the hill country of, of southern central southern Israel. I've also got Jerusalem in here, which is still called Jebus at the time, just for reference as far as where we are. So Gilgal is just right outside. The passage we're going to get into tomorrow is going to explain just some of the, the realities of what's going on here, right? The if you remember the king of Jericho, he hears that there's spies from this massive group of people, multiple millions of people on the other side of the Jordan. They're planning on coming over. Everyone on the west side is starting to catch wind of this. And now these people have crossed over on quote unquote dry ground. And everyone has heard about this, right? So your expectation is we know what they did to the kingdoms on the east side. We'd better get together and do something about this. Right? So there's this tension brewing, right? Crossing over the Jordan River. It was amazing, but it also brings perils with it. Are they going to be met by any resistance immediately as they cross over? What's going to happen when they get on the other side? Right? You can very quickly... Your, your mind can go away from forgetting already what's happened, seeing this amazing thing, and then thinking about, oh my gosh, we just crossed into enemy territory. How many of them are coming after the 40,000 strong that we have? Are there going to be 20,000? Are there going to be 2 million? Those are the kind of things that are probably running through these Israelites' minds. But the Lord is going to deal with that. For the 10-week Bible study, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs. And I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast. And my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.